Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 488, and today we'll be talking about Go Get Our Girls from Summer Camp Island. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So we finally did it. We finally found out where the coven went. They magic themselves into a snow globe of Pittsburgh. <laughs> and that was the plan from episode one. Um, wow. Yeah, this this was a trip. Uh, a trip to a snow globe of Pittsburgh. I don't think anyone ever watching this show would have predicted that uh, this is where all the Coven members went right before the summer camp was started. How soon do you think everyone else writing this show knew that? Um, I'm going to say they realized they needed to get the whole Coven back. And they heard that I had already suggested the idea of sending them all off to summer camp. They're like, well, we can't do that anymore. So the next suggestion was that they were hiding in fake Pittsburgh. It's as reasonable as guess as any. Uh, I Part of me wants to believe that this was just how it was for a long time, because why not? It's hilarious. But uh, yeah, as the story of Summer Camp Island developed, creating the coven really created a, a problem. And it's really funny that they had to reconcile, like, okay, there was a witch's coven, but what would they have been doing all this time? And uh, it really is a suspension of disbelief to say that they believed they were so self-involved that they didn't notice that there was literally no one in Pittsburgh, and also it was really hot, even though there was snow outside. And also, where did they eat and drink? <laughs> yeah, and that one of them was a member of the press, so you'd think that she's broadcasting this somewhere. Also, what news is happening? Just the news of the coven? I mean... It's true, they were living in a bubble. A literal bubble, guys. It's literal. <laughs> and and a metaphorical bubble, too. Oh my god. You know, you can, you can poof them out of the literal bubble, but you can't poof them out of the bubble they bring with them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they learned, if they grew on that or not. <laughs> I think they were just like, whoops, that's a funny mistake. Well, now that they're back to coven business, I guess they can be in all the bubbles they want. Although, I will say this, speaking of living in a bubble, this was the first time that I've watched this episode and noticed a coven member who I have never, ever seen before. According to the wiki, her name is Rosie. Uh, She's just the gray one, and she has a gallery on the wiki, I'm assuming, that they didn't just Photoshop her into previous episodes, and... (laughs) I'm just losing my mind. Yeah, it's hard to keep up with all the Coven members, honestly. I mean, who do I care about? I care about Emma, because she should have been Mildred. I care about (laughs) Opie, because that is an awesome eye patch. Um, The alligator? Yep, Mallory, of course. Mallory is pretty memorable. Who's the one who needed to tuck the tail? I can't remember her name. Who's Ruby? Um, oh, they don't count because they, they get, uh, they get real episodes in the first season. Yeah. Ruby voice actor of Charlene Yee, or, well, reverse that, Charlene Yee voice actor of Ruby from Steven Universe. (laughs) (laughs) There is a good chunk of the coven who doesn't really get much characterization. They're just sort of there because you need 13 of them for a proper coven. Yeah, and I mean, fair enough. Like, the show can't be about all the coven members, and I'm okay with that. So to be clear, we we just we relish in retcons. It's hard to say that the show itself isn't about it 
having this loose structure in the first place. Like it, it's it's just I think built to be this way. And so I do want to say that this is just so much like it's hilarious fun. And I I I love this episode. I love that they were in Pittsburgh. I loved the joke of it, and I'm not worried about the lore <laughs> of this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't be mad. As as much as I love obsessing over the lore of things and how Summer Camp Island brings that out in me, even though I know how it's constructed, you know, at, at the end of the day, you're supposed to make a really fun cartoon, and not all cartoons should be the same way. Like, you should feel free to explore other formats. Yeah, like, and this is fun. It's fun to just say, whoops, they're gone. And, you know, there's still some weight to the fact that they were in Pittsburgh. Like, you know, Oscar versus Hedgehog, how they're treating the situation is a, a great little character exploration. Like, I think Hedgehog's reacting more like I would in this situation. Like, this is serious. This is going to blow their minds. And Oscar's... Oscar's just burning up because he runs hot already. <laughs> yep, he's not even a realist. He just, he can't deal with anything that's a blanketed version of the truth. You know? <laughs> he's just a raw guy with raw energy. And he he's just going to get to it. Now, talking about the two different ways that Oscar and Hedgehog handle things, I mentioned it in last week's episode, but I've already watched this season so many times that I forgot that uh, we we guarantee we'll see what we can do, basically, quote, didn't happen until this episode. That is just how, uh, that is just how ingrained uh, the Oscar-Hedgehog dichotomy has become for me. <laughs> yeah, that is an amazing distilled little moment there. <laughs> Hedgehog explaining, you know, her way of thinking about things, which, God, I just love how, you know, nicely she puts it for Oscar, like, yeah, I I kind of prefer to say things this way. I prefer to say that's something I can look into. <laughs> she really Oscars it up for him, but uh, you know, as wonderful and kind a soul as uh, Hedgehog is, in many ways, she is still her mother's daughter. <laughs> yeah, ain't that just the way of it? At least she's not having to help Oscar get rid of house guests. <laughs> um, my trick's always vacuuming, and with Roomba, so much easier. <laughs> so I wonder Pittsburgh doesn't have any kind of space industry. Why is why is Emma dressed like an astronaut? Should I even dare I ask? <laughs> you know, they're all exploring their own interests, right? Uh, the snowplows were merely art pieces. Perhaps the space program is also a street performance. I I love exchanges like that where wow, I've never seen snowplows this confusing before. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and yet again, another example of Oscar having no filter. <laughs> he's he's just going to remark how he sees it. He's not going to try to think about how someone would perceive his words, because that's not what's important. <laughs> Which is funny, because Oscar cares deeply about how other people feel. Right. I guess he's just such a nice person, you can't help but take it the right way. Exactly. Like, he's not worried that his words are going to be interpreted the wrong way. And he, you know, similarly doesn't, he believes that the the coven would be able to move past learning that they're in a snow globe. And the more important thing is just that they know the truth and can act on it. You know, similarly, Oscar can just share that he thinks the art's really cool. 
And it is also different <laughs> from anything he's ever seen before. Those are both true. <laughs> now, did you like the gag with uh, Grandma Trinket? Uh, and she's playing Cat's Cradle oh, with my a string of Yeti fur and enhance. Enhance! <laughs> okay, that was an awesome little bit of a visual gag. The way that she zoomed in on that string was really cool, and you didn't quite get the sense of it on her first enhance, that zoom. But then, yeah, zooming into the actual sign of the shop, that was so cool. I love how the, you know, storyboarder and artist for this scene have broken down, like, the, (laughs) the whatever image that this is representing in string form. It looks so cool. I, I like that they sort of compress the image into strings. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, anyone who's ever seen one of those uh, cop shows knows all about the infamous Enhance. <laughs> yeah, which, uh, you know, it's a funny joke, but it, it does feel weird since we just learned that the Yeti string hair technology is considered old by saxophone. Like, it's he calls it grandma technology. So, yeah, it's just funny that... the that it then acts like an advanced technology, but maybe that's part of the point. Like, it's not as old as you think it is, or it's not as outdated as you think it is. Think about it this way. You know, PCs like you or I use are becoming grandpa technology as we speak, and I don't think you or I would think that, oh, wow, I could get rid of my desktop and just use a phone all the time. (laughs) Right, Uh, us grandpas still have... Some street smarts when it comes to tech. Yeah. Maybe maybe Yeti String is like that. You know, it may not be in, but, you know, you can't do uh, that kind of stuff with anything else. Right. You can still use a rotary phone if you really want. I could figure it out. I'm a smart guy. Now, we like to talk about the connection between all of these episodes, the connection between <laughs> this episode and the last oh my the God. frozen time delivery of the anti-tornado potion to Susie. And I, for one, I didn't see any fine print for her to read, but you know, I'm not exactly upset that she didn't end up taking that thing. I don't know if I like what it did to, to that <laughs> thing there. Right. Uh, first of all, drinking that potion, I hope it would have only unfolded her and not the tornado. Um, I'm like a little concerned for the the living Slinky that did get unraveled. I hope that that was just sort of a psychoactive experience for him that resolved after a few hours, days, or weeks. Or I hope he's enjoying his new life as a straight line. Either way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, all, all for the better, probably. It was absolutely hilarious that Susie fumbled the bottle though like what a ridiculous way to connect the episodes like (laughs) we need to have this super interesting backstory thing with the miracle rabbit and the potion is the excuse but then you know it's not that important (laughs) Susie's just gonna have to keep trying harder you know I mean they they could have sent us off to the wish fish next but nope off to Pittsburgh with us (laughs) yep I uh I also we did get Jim Jams with a mustache yes. as a coach driver uh, driving around the Susie in a weakened state. That was glorious. <laughs> I, I love the rep- repetition of she's in a weakened state. It's like, guys, guys, I'm doing a bit. Can you recognize that she's in a weakened state? Look at my mustache. It's glorious. 
Yeah. I, I might have got more and less at the same time out of that scene than I was supposed to. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, they did an amazing job drawing Susie just in a effectively puddle in her giant coach. <laughs> I I love Susie can can just never never stop Susieing. Yes, I know where you are. I know where Alice and Betsy are, and I know where I are. <laughs> she's not asking for help. She's just offended that she doesn't know where the coven is. They did leave without saying goodbye. That That is the other important thing that they don't lose for Susie here. Like, Susie still calls them out on that. You know, their little goofy trip to Snowberg, Snowberg, Pittsburgh, <laughs> Snowglobe, Pittsburgh. Uh, it wasn't completely without consequence. I don't know that it really has any more, though, in the rest of the season. I feel like she just kind of calls them out on it and that's it. Yep. No goodbye. No hello. Yeah. Like, why didn't? Why didn't they say goodbye? Why Why did they go to Pittsburgh in the first place? Why weren't they involved in the island? Were they just bored by the idea of it? Did Susie not involve them? Well, you and I both know that the real reason is because there were only three of them in the original plan. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just a little surprising that they didn't do more with it. And it's a little surprising that we get this shade from Susie that just kind of goes unresolved. Who knows? Eh. It's fine. She has need of them. We'll see she puts them to quite good work later. So I think she's willing to be a little bit forgiving. Yeah. Well, don't worry. I'll eventually get my old red spool of yarn out and figure out how all these episodes connect once we're done with it. I will make sense of it, I swear. (laughs) Maybe each season has a theme. Food for thought. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, guys, that's it for us on Go Get Our Girls. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. 